You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hello from the road, everyone. Hey, welcome. And our drummer, David Hall. <laughs> hey, hey. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Hey, and Tony Groves. Hey, fellas. Well, welcome. Well, on today's show, we check out some new kings. We'll see if there's a new king of iRacing Oval iRating. Also, did we find a king of the iRacing Indy 500? There's a new king in NASCAR pit stops and ask if it should be updated in iRacing. All that and some great hardware. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. All right, let's take a straw poll, guys. How many of us kind of really grew up mostly in the 90s? Too old. What do you consider growing up? Teens or kids? (laughs) Too old. My twenties. That was my heyday. I mean, yeah, I I was literally, you know, the transition from the eighties to nineties, and when I really woke up in the music scene, it was right right before grunge hit. So definitely the nineties kid. Well, that's what our first topic is going to be on. And, um, Ben yesterday, he posted a Twitter that he's baffled that iRacing doesn't have the mid nineties stock cars on the service. Well, we got the 87. That's pretty close, right? Yeah. Is, is it that much different than the 87s? It kind of is. Um, and it's definitely not anything like the newer cars that are on the service, even going back to the Dakota cars and all those guys. So it's not really, it's not really represented perfectly with any of the things that are out there now and it was kind of a, a kind of a revolutionary era for for nascar you know there was a big boon in the 90s uh for nascar which year was the t-rex car oh 1998 uh, it was late 90s i think yeah okay so that so the late 90s is when they really started to turn them into the twisted sisters right well twisted sisters was 80s for sure <laughs> You know, I think that, um, you know, you, you almost need to talk about this, not in years, but in generation. So you got Gen 7, we had Gen 6, God bless it. You know, Gen 5, you know, I, I ran some Gen 5 over the weekend. Um, 
you know, I don't know really about the generations before that, four, three, two, one, but, you know, obviously the 87 car is one of those probably, you know, I don't, I wouldn't know which one to, to call it. Well, I really didn't start getting heavy into racing until later. And um, so, yeah, Greg just let us know it was 97. Um, I didn't start racing till, or I didn't start really getting into to following racing until the 2000s. And um, at that point, they were they didn't look like a production car at all, right? They were completely what we called the Twisted Sister at that point. I don't know if that was if there's a generational line that led to that, but it all kind of started in the 90s when when guys like Everham started really figuring out how to mess with the templates. I was kind of hoping after time Dale Jr. would have weighed in on this topic on the on the Twitter. Hey, cause he's probably the one who's going to decide this, you know, which year is it, you know, you, you would surely think that they're going to do it at some point, you know, because like we've documented before, I mean, they're going to run out of cars to scan pretty soon. You know, you run out of, you know, they start, you know, doing the regional stuff like the Brazilian and, you know, different things like that. But, but yeah, I mean, they're certainly going to do it at some point, but the question is, is what year will it be and what will Dale pick? See, I think what you really are trying to look at here um, is probably the early 90s one was where there used to be the Thunderbird, the Lumina. Um, they would have, would they have had Pontiac back then? Yeah, well, would the, it would have been a, a weird looking Pontiac Grand Prix, right? I think those would be like the better ones to scan is the early era uh, 1990s. So, I like the idea um, that KY underscore racing put up. He said a possible idea for the NASCAR legend series have four different eras to revolve around. So it actually feels like we're traveling through time at a rapid pace. Season one, seventies, season two, eighties, season three, nineties, season four, the two thousands. That's a really cool idea. Let's let's sound fun. Let's one up it even more. In week thirteen, they can actually change the track or the. I don't know if they can change the car. Can they? Have they changed the car? Or is it just the track that they can change every day during a week thirteen? It'd be neat if you could change the car uh, and either. have all three yeah. have have a, a rotation of the cars per week. I was uh, watching FS1 last night, and they had a show about the um, the first night race, Winston, um, at Charlotte. And it was in the early '90s, and they had they did have some really classic cars, you know. Um, uh, the, uh, um, Adam Petty was uh, almost won that, um, and Dale Earnhardt was in a wreck right on the last lap, and and the cars were iconic looking, you know. It was just just really cool to see that era, and it didn't remind me of the '87s at all. It was it was too it was far too different to make me think. Well, they they're a lot like the '87s that we have right now. 90s is also when a lot of uh, production cars got a more streamlined look, right? Uh, well, whereas when I think 80s, I think of more of the boxy cars. Well, the 80s was the introduction of fuel or EFI or whatever they called it back then. And they also made, um, they were trying to make more efficient cars by putting emissions on them. That's when like emission stuff started and cars weren't, curbs weren't as great in the 80s. Um, as they are, or then into the early nineties when they started changing things. If you look at, even if you look at like supercars from the late eighties into the early nineties, 
we consider a supercar fast, but they weren't really fast in that era. Like I think of when I think of the nineties, I think of, do you guys remember going to the arcade and playing, uh, was it date the Daytona game? That's the body style. I think of for back for like early nineties is the, the, uh, um, Daytona, uh, arcade racer. I used to slay that game. Okay. Um, Let's uh, take a different perspective on this and start talking a little bit e-NASCAR. How about you take this one, Brian? Okay, yeah, this was an article, uh, online article for um, kickingthetires.net, written by Seth Eggert. And we talked a little bit about this at last week's um, um, review of the Kirk race, where um, they had the four drivers that were posted up and they were actually live racing live in person um, from the uh, Carolina eSports hub. And uh, this article goes into depth about um, his experience, uh, you know, before the race, meeting the drivers, shaking hands and talking to them, and, uh, and the whole atmosphere around uh, this special presentation of the Coke Series racing. So, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. It was a it's, – it's something that uh, eSports can do that, that you – don't can't do in real real life racing is sit there and and you know constantly watch these drivers um, from from a, a, a viewership perspective from a fan perspective as as they're competing in races um, really really interesting and it's it's a it's you know they they do have these kind of public uh, things for other esports tournaments like um, you know the first person shooter tournaments and things like that um, this is kind of like a scaled down version of, of that where you can actually see these guys performing in real time as these they're in their uh, Coke series races. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to the author of this, um, Seth Eggert. You know, when we do the Coke races with Evan, Seth is tweeting the whole time what's happening in the Coke race. And I'm using that as well as tweets from others like Justin Melillo to basically document what happens in the race. So I can talk with it to Evan, you know, about it later, you know, two days later. So it saves me a lot of time. They give good, accurate, up-to-date information. And, and we, as listeners who enjoy that segment, we all need to thank Seth Eggert because without him tweeting, this would be a lot harder job and I probably wouldn't do it. So I do appreciate that. I do need to call that out, but I do want to read one thing, uh, one quote from the article here about what he saw. He says, quote, the cheering and occasional jeers of the crowd gave the E-NASCAR Coke iRacing Series Pro Battle an electric feel. Through the, uh, Though the crowd noise hyped the drivers up, it also served as a minor distraction through the peripheral of the curved monitors. But like Evan was saying before last week, you know, it, it certainly brings a, a new element to it. You know, if you're one of those drivers, I, I mean, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. You might be using hardware that's not yours, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, like high schools are hiring esports coaches now. It's big that, business. That's I'm crazy, telling you. Yeah. Now, even in our little town, our, our newest uh, assistant football coach is also taking over as the first uh, esports coach. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and 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 if you're a, a esports coach at a high school david i mean motorsports is pretty easy uh, it's pretty low hanging fruit right uh, as far as getting a program off the ground maybe except for that equipment is going to be a lot more expensive than a nintendo controller right 
Yeah. <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> I just seriously dated myself, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, but but you are kind of right. And you know, we've seen um we've had stories about colleges also, you know, building these uh re- arenas in their buildings for esport tournaments and stuff like that. Or commu- um you know, even NASCAR has the college uh, series that's currently running where where colleges run against each other in uh in uh i racing. Um and they've even had on the on the um, administrative side of of e NASCAR, you know, they've been having guys, you know, run run these um, e NASCAR teams to get them a version of the real life experience of of being on the administrative administrative side of the sport. Right. One more thought on this column and Seth Eggert. I mean, not only does the Charlotte facility, you know, provide a a platform for these guys to race and we have an audience but we have media too you know that i mean this guy is our media i mean for him to go there to shake their hands to, to look them in the eye to get some sound bites you know gives us all kinds of good content you know for him to to share with his his readers and listeners uh, about you know what's going on in in the in the e-nascar you know scene as it's called Here's a here's a question for you guys. Okay, say um you're in the final four of the championship for E NASCAR Coke Series. You're coming to the last race, and they invite all the final four to come on stage to race in front of a crowd. Is that something that you do, or is do you not take the chance of getting outside of your comfort zone um, in order to uh, try to perform better? You know what I mean? What What do you do if somebody says, "Hey, uh, you're in the final four of the Coke Series. Pack up your stuff and come to Charlotte, and we're going to have you four guys in front of a, a crowd." Are you going, or are you saying, "I'd rather stay home"? I'd well, be. I sa- hope it's not a choice. I hope they just tell them, "Hey, you know, we 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 just sent you a ticket. You know, we'll yeah, see you in a couple of days." But I'd be sending them the specs of everything on my rig. I'm not. Yeah. Going, I'm not going back to V3 pedals or anything non hydraulic. Right or or something that you're not used to for sure, you you would almost have to ship their stuff to the place. Otherwise, I don't think they'd want to do it. I, I I'd be really worried about doing that, especially if it's if it's on different equipment. I'd be and then and then you're losing valuable practice time if it takes four days to get there and set up. You know, you, sure. that's four days of practice you missed at, for the biggest race of your life possibly. Now he does say in this article that Briar Laprad did tear down his entire rig and, and bring it and rebuild it, everything. And he even streamed his normal Twitch just like normal. He did everything like he normally has with his own equipment. And he wasn't even one of the top four of the guys who were there, really. Pretty cool. There is Phil to the equipment. And um, you jump in another rig. You've done this, Brian. You're right. You've gone over to, to Tyler's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was terrible. It's it's It's... So much of it is muscle memory. Uh, just like when I, when we struggled at that 24 hour, I guess, a couple of summers ago when I first got the, the pedals, that wasn't last summer. Was it? How long have I had my pedals? I think I've had them two years now. Um, what happened is it may have been last year. I'll, I digress. Uh, the, um, because the brakes got an air bubble in there, they just started the the where it would resist changed and i kept missing turns just because the muscle memory wasn't working anymore so that that feel is important i mean they 
the rigs they provided for the other three guys were were decent rigs you know for i, I definitely want to say that it had good equipment on it and all that i don't want to be yeah. afraid uh, the, the why does is it timmy hill that would stick stick with the g27 as long as he could and a laptop yeah it's uh, particularly the g27 it's almost the same reason he he has the feel for it and as soon as he jumps into another will he's going to have to relearn all of his feel right there's a ton of muscle memory in it especially um when you don't have the actual car to fill as well yeah and another another aspect of it if they did something like this um you kind of miss those uh real intimate moments when a driver wins and his family comes in behind them and stuff like that you know it's kind of a neat intimate moment that uh you get to watch unfold but you know at the same time you're losing the 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 a cheering crowd and stuff like that. So there's trade-offs either way. Um, it's it's a it's an interesting concept that you know maybe they would consider doing at some point is getting these guys in front of crowds. You could you could uh, do something a little bit hybrid and have your commentators host a crowd. I always thought it'd be a neat idea to have you know the the final race for the E NASCAR championship maybe to be on the regular NASCAR championship weekend, like on the Saturday night, you know, after the Xfinity race, you know, they bring these guys out on a, on a big stage in front of the crowd and, and they race in front of the crowd, but they're e-racing, uh, and then they have them on the big screen or whatever, you know, uh, you know, get them more involved in the whole NASCAR scene, you know, trying to tie those together even more. All right. This next one we're going to hit, uh, going to throw over to you, Mike, Mike, we, uh, have an announcement and I kind of gave y'all a heads up about this about a month ago, uh, that the stint analyzer in the lounge now kind of have a little bit of a partnership. Well, yeah. Thanks to, uh, Ricky Thompson. Uh, he, uh, he hit us up on the discord to remind us that he has added, uh, a new version of the stint analyzer software. And it, the new version has a new ad for the Irisers lounge podcast. So I, uh, many thanks to Ricky Thompson out there. Um, the stint analyzer, you know, it's a little over my head, but David, you've had success with it. Anytime I'm trying to decide what's, what set I need or what the set's doing wrong. I usually just use that to compare tire temperatures. And in fact, um, uh, I work, I think Ricky probably contacted me just to make sure we had, he had permission to use the logo. Um, and I've worked with him on some feature tweaks particularly with the tire comparison because i i need the tires comparisons to be a little bit more vertical and so he literally created a a, a whole tab or screen report based on that recommendation uh so it's a it's a great partnership it's a great app if you're out there testing along with your telemetry you you want to use this because you don't want to know what your your hot lap is you want to know what the car is doing after 20 laps and 30 laps compared to compared to your changes because you you can make a change and be like ooh that feels great but then you're 15 laps in and you're actually further behind than you were on the set that didn't feel great on that first lap david is that what you use when you when you get um like lap averages like you're always saying don't worry about who's got the fastest lap in a test session who's got the fastest five lap average or 10 lap average. Is that the, is that the app you're using to get that information? 
Yeah, and you really actually need to look at 20 or 30 because any of the guys can really run their tires off for five or 10 laps and and lay down a good average. Uh, Stan and I will show that, and so will uh, so will Joe Real Timing. I have a Joe Real Timing page that's set up that just tracks their best 20-lap average when I'm in there, and I'll, I'll use that to see – to, to easily rank it. Stint analyzer is a little harder to see the ranking because it shows every one of the stints you've run. It doesn't just show your best stint. So you see, you see every 30 lap average you've set, not just one. And so sorting that is a little bit trickier. And that's really good information to have because it gives you a lot more truer um, idea of where you stand in a, in a test session or a practice session or a warm up session before a race starts. Yeah, especially if you come in at a certain time and there's already been 30 cars on the on the track, it's rubbered in and you're not going to turn the same lap times that some of the guys that got in there early did anyway while while the track was still fresh. And and not to mention if it's an open race, you don't know who's practicing with a qualifying set or who's pra- who's practicing with a with the race set too. So that could completely throw things off too. There's not as much of a difference between practice, between race and qualifying sets anymore, but yeah, that's definitely the case. Well, in the Cup Series, I, I imagine there's probably still a big difference in in the trucks and all, where you can mess with tape and things like that, right? Yep, yep, this is true. So, um, one thing Stantilizer can't really help you with is whether or not you get into the pits, Tony. Well, how about this? This is like a little bit of like, oh, crap, and a little bit of, oh, cool. Um, it's, a, it's a tweet from Adam Cabo. He posted a video on a, on a Twitter where he missed the pit road entrance in his road to pro race cost him a top 10 finish, which totally sucks. But he did make a pretty badass uh, six wide pass in the grass on lap 44 i'm not sure if that's the lap you really want to try something like that but uh hey he made it stick and didn't wipe anybody out so i guess it was uh it was a pretty good move wow six wide at atlanta i mean it was nuts and and it was already five wide and he has a head of steam and there's no way he's letting up so he puts it in the grass and he goes around all of them I mean, he's the guy, the guy who goes through the grass is the guy who beat the rest other five. Um, and, and so it's the true pass on the grass, but like, you know, on steroids, you know, with the whole six wide craziness. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was uh, luck. Lady luck was, was definitely on his side. I think nine times out of 10 that don't work and you're sideways and you're up taking the whole field out. But, um, it does work. We got video. We can see it. Well, I, I guess for the people that are not oval racers, let me explain. The there's three trucks on the track, and the track is only three lanes wide. It is not four lanes wide. So there's three on the track. There's two guys on the apron. Okay, so that's the five. And so the six and then the apron's only two wide. And so there's literally nowhere for the guy to go but to the grass, but that's what he did. I hope he sends that in for the top 10. That needs to go on there. And I'm guessing the missing the pit road was in a different part of the race. Yeah, it it had to have been. Uh, I couldn't find any video of that, but I guess there's nothing really to show. (laughs) You missed the pits. you got to take it into context. This guy is in the road to pro. 
I don't know exactly where he is in the standings, but there's some desperation going on right now because the road to pro is wrapping up, you know? And so if you're not in the, you know, if you're not above the cut line, you know, these guys are going, are doing anything they can do, you know? So I'm assuming that, uh, I don't think Atlanta doesn't have that turf like, uh, Charlotte does right on the, uh, on the trioval or anything like Cause you know, a lot of those times, if you go in the grass like that with these with these cars, you know you'll just tear the splitter completely up. Well, um, these don't these cars don't really have that splitter anymore. They've got them off the, the tr- ground now. The trucks don't. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess the you're the right. trucks I think do have the splitters. So yep. Yeah, yeah. So if that was in real life, though, I, I wonder if he would come around, come away with a front end on it. It would have to been like a real dry day with no no uh, no moisture in the grass or anything where where the car started dipping and, and bopping into those uh, ruts and stuff. I'm definitely suffering from only drive the A-car bias. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's toys now. <laughs> All right. So this guy, I don't know if it's the only thing he drives, but he drives it well. Robert Oberta, he's won his fourth straight Indy 500. Uh, he came from the 32nd spot this time and sixth overall. He's sixth overall at the fame track. According to the records, he uh, he did he's won three fixed and three open races, and it just seems to be uh, his specialty. That's impressive. No matter what your I rating is, you know, four straight Indy five hundreds. You know, when you got Tony Rochette just beating his head against the wall, um, trying to get another, you know. So, well, you know, congratulations to him, Robert Obrutha. Yeah, he mentions in the post that it's split 8 of 27, which, remember, these splits are not done by I-rating anyway, so that's based on qualifying time. Um, and whether you do something, even if you were to do something like try to uh, to sandbag your queue time to get in an easier split, you still have to have everything go right, you know, because for every, every one person that might sandbag uh, qual time, there's also another person. Or there may just be somebody in there uh, like me who can't qualify worth a damn. Yeah, I was, uh, I ran my Indy 500. It was my first official race with the new wheel. And uh, I made it to about lap 20 before I put it in the wall. All right, Mike. It was an embarrassment. (laughs) This next one, uh, Indy or iRacing actually put out a little bit of a video clip from the Majors Indy 500. So that's a neat little partnership between the league and uh, and the iRacing service. Yeah, quite a finish that happened in the majors, and um, this was the one that was broadcast, you know, the one that their, their top event or whatever. They have a bunch of different ones, but quite a finish, you know, go 500 miles and get down to the end and literally side by side, and I think it was the guy on the outside prevailed. That was um, the guy on the inside. Did They came together oh, uh, yeah, off to turn four and made contact, which was kind of odd. They had been racing so clean up to then, and it just looked like they both – came to the middle like the top car and the bottom car both came together and and made contact but um man how how, how much would like abc love to see a finish like this in the real indy 500 you know to really get the try to get the uh, ratings up and the buzz up for this race you know it's a uh, it's 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 always a really well watched and highly uh highly viewed race but IndyCar needs a little a jolt and a, and a, a finish that would be anywhere near as good as this would, would really help a lot. The guy on the, you're right. The guy on the outside, he, I mean, he just came down after he got out of the corner 
you know, who knows why? I don't know why you would go I, down. He came like off that. loose. He came off loose. Maybe. He was trying to collect the car. I see. Yeah, you can see so he, co- he comes link. out sideways. There's one more link here. We don't have a preview, but if you open it, you'll see Casey Kerwin, our, one of the e-NASCAR Coke uh, racers, got his uh, first Indy 500, and uh, he had a great reaction on his uh, Twitch uh, stream. And he's got the microphone right up on his mouth while he races, um, you know, I guess for the stream. But, you know, he has a run, you know, on that final lap and he gets up, you know, side by side with him at least. Um, but as they come to the checker, uh, you know, he, he's just barely ahead. So we need to start a poll on the Discord um, or basically come up with a list of the eye racing uh crown jewel races i guess i was i was listening to one of our uh i was listening into into the apex and they were talking the triple crown and i was like well you've kind of forgot a couple of pretty big oval races um so that'd be neat to come up with a whole list of the majors which is kind of funny because we're talking about the majors league but that's part of the part of the idea they have they run all the biggest races for every kind of type of racing you can come up with well, it's easy on oval. I mean, you got the Indy 500, you got the Daytona 500, you got the Southern 500, which we don't have anymore this year, and then the Coke 600, which is coming up next week. Yeah, and then on the road, you got Monaco, you've got the Rolex, you got Le Mans, right? Well, I would throw in Daytona 24. Yeah, that's Rolex. Right. Well, congratulations to everyone who won in the Indy 500 fixed. Um, like I said, I was an embarrassment out there. I practiced even, you know, but I don't know if I did 20 lap runs. I maybe did 15 or something, but I don't know. It was just one of those brain farts. You lose focus for just a moment and you're in the wall. These cars are so going so fast and you just can't make mistakes. All right. Well, if I was going to guess who was the heaviest drinker of all of us, I don't know. Why don't, uh, Tony, why don't you tell us about iRacing Happy Hour? Well, I don't know. I think you almost have to have a few to understand what the heck is going on here. Um, it's pretty, not, it's a pretty blocky text wall of text, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we got uh, Thursday, May nineteenth, um, which is today. Uh, showcase a Mercedes AMG F1 performance alongside the dirt late models, and they will be broadcasting. The 3 p.m. Eastern A-Class iRacing Grand Prix Sprint Series uh, and the 3.45 Eastern B-Class World of Outlaws Late Model Series broadcast will be done on the YouTube, Twitch, and the Facebook. So this has already all happened. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. They don't announce it ahead of time, really. I think it's just, hey, we're, they decide to do it. You know, they they give a a short window of time to to know about it, and uh, and they do it. In this case, it was F one and and then World of Outlaw Late Model. So, do they do this like once a month, or Are they definitely doing it on off weeks of Coke racing? I noticed. I think, it, but it's, it hasn't been every off week. So, I don't know what the schedule is. It, I don't, it there's not a schedule that I know of. Yeah, that's so weird that they would just kind of toss it up there, like in just in the middle of the day, like on a Thursday. Um, I think 
most people would be working at about that time. You know, I don't think it's, I would guess this is about Drew Adamson, um, you know, trying to test, trying to try new things, you know, okay. make things better for the Coke series and for the Porsche series and the other ones, you know, and, and keeping his chops up maybe, or maybe, you know, training other people to do what he's doing and that kind of thing. It's hard to say. Uh, maybe it's an internal uh, way of, you know, pr bringing people up. Oh, that's fair. Never thought of it that way. That would make a lot more sense um, for sure. Mm -hmm. Watch for that if you guys want to get broadcasted. All right. The next thing we do have is uh, a Winton's introduction. That's one of the new tracks. Uh, it's now in the iRacing platform, and it impressed the Tickford Racing Ricky Thomas Randall. Um, this is a very frequent track for testing, and uh, they said it felt like almost second nature being on this track in iRacing. This is one of the actual supercar guys uh, over there that knows the track intimately, so to speak. And so uh, pretty cool to hear from him and, you know, that he, he likes what he sees. You know, it, and it's just another one of those examples of we've got the guys who do it for real saying it's pretty close. Yeah, a couple quotes he gave is, quote, it's pretty cool that a track like Winton has been immortalized on iRacing, says Randall, who supplied a lap of his own to supercars.com. I've done so much testing there, so cutting laps on the sim almost felt like second nature. So we have some really cool tracks in Australia, and Winton is no different. It's pretty unique. Mike, this has to be one of your favorites, uh, and I like the response to it. But uh, how about this pit stop up update? Do we think we uh, need to make a change in the uh, new car? Well, that's a question that I posed on the Discord channel uh, in the lounge uh, to our listeners. And I said, hey, do we need to have pit stop times updated from our traditional 14 to 15 seconds? Because this year with a single lug nut, uh, times have been going down and um, what reminded me with of this was a tweet by Daniel Crete four that said Kyle Bush had an 8.9 second pit stop yesterday at Kansas the fastest four time four tire pit stop in NASCAR history so 8.9 is fast you know that's a fast one so that's pretty far off from 14 to 15 seconds right it is what's Funny, though, if we were to really incorporate it, is uh, Ryan Carwell's response on the Discord. Um, he said we probably also need to add tires randomly coming loose. And um, that opens a whole new can of worms of the question. I think we've talked about it before, but should we, uh, should we have random mechanical failures as a part of the simulation? No. There's enough dumb little things that happen throughout a race. <laughs> We can just chalk those up to mechanical errors. Well, well how about this? Um, in, in the race last week at Kansas, you know, there were teams who were being real aggressive with their, um, with their setups, and it was tearing left front, left rear tires off the cars. They were just, uh, they were just getting flats on a regular basis in the left rear. Um, is that something that's more realistic? Because it's not a random thing so much because you're you're being too aggressive on a setup and, and you're uh, having tire failure because your setup's not right. Um, 
that's not something really iRacing really models that well. You know, you, you might have a tire that goes down faster. You know, you lose lose more percentage on your tires than somebody else. But it never catastrophically fails for the most part like that. Yeah, that would be a lot nicer uh, to have it punish the guys who just abuse the tires more aggressively. That would be great. As, and like you said, it's not, that's not random having the random failures. I, I agree with Tony. There's um, you got net code that can count in that direction. All the stupid net codes that happen. Uh, your computer crashes, iRacing racing yeah. crashes. Uh, you get stuck in the pits because of a glitch. You get a false penalty because somebody blinks right behind you right before pit stops you know all of those things have have got that covered you got the cops knocking at your door because your rig's out in the driveway (laughs) little throwback thursday for you yeah uh, yeah power failures everything Uh, so uh, there is a there is a bit of a random type of uh breakdowns that can happen in iRacing but it's not necessarily the actual what's happening on the track in your car it's happening outside but it's still random and it'll still ruin a race for sure and i mean there's so, there's some cases where where the real cars don't really have to worry about the tire fall off either this is a case where goodyear brought it one that would fall off enough that if they went too far with it they, they got problems and then people try to jump goodyear's case but any time it's only a few cars, especially from the same team that are losing their tires, that's not on Goodyear. That's on the teams. And um, we we could say, well, NASCAR should should mandate, basically protect the teams from themselves. N- no, let them tear their tires up. Let them tear their cars up. Let them play the risk versus reward game. So I assume fuel takes the same amount of time, right? Yep. So uh, in this kind of a situation, it's probably a stop where they don't need fuel. Right or not much. Well, right. If they needed a full two cans, they can't do that in eight point nine seconds. So that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking it was it was uh, tires only or just a little bit little bit of fuel they needed to finish a. But still, it's pretty impressive how fast that was done. And um, but i racing, I don't really do do would would i racing adjust for that in a pit stop? You know, if you if you're telling your crew chief not to add fuel, you just want four tires. Will that still be a 14, 15 second stop? That would actually be the the best adjustment. They need to knock four or five seconds off of that to make it what it is today. And fuel, yeah. But probably only if you don't take fuel. But if you, so that that your fuel, when you stop for fuel, it'll be a longer stop, which will add a little bit more strategy into the situation, right? On when you get the fuel, when you don't. Can you take a little little bit less fuel on one stop to, uh, to get a track position advantage though most of the time in those situations nobody's burned off that much fuel anyway so a green flag stop is going to be a lot longer than than say your average yellow flag stop if you only do half a run right yeah it seems like iRacing probably has a time you know like a a time window for two pit stop you know a two tire stop so if you get two tires it's going to be somewhere plus or minus for just some uh, random variation uh, this amount of time it's four if it's a four tire stop it's going to be 14 seconds plus or minus based on a a small variant just for just for randomization but it doesn't seem like they have that third um, fuel time that can uh, affect the pit stop as well you know it's either it's either time for two two tires or time for four tires and that's it 
I don't think that's the case because if you pull in with two tires, but take, but you have to take 12 gallons of fuel, it's going to be a longer two, two tire stop. Okay. Well then, yeah, that, that could be, it. that'd be, be fun to, to, to do some mm-hmm. tests on that. If you do like a four tire stop and no fuel and then, and, you know, come back around again just for fun and do a four tire stop with fuel, fuel for full fuel and see what the difference might be. And there was a time in sports cars when the rules, I, th- I don't remember which one it was, the Europeans or the or American sports cars, when you could fuel and tire and change tires at the same time. And so how much f- fuel you were having to take could affect whether or not you might want to take tires or not. Now that they're a separate action, you basically always don't take tires unless you need the tires. Um, but it, yeah, I, I do think that is actually a part of the consideration. What about the sound of the pit stop? I mean, I haven't really paid attention I mean, are we hearing five lug nuts, you know, as they come around the car and we should only be hearing one? I mean, do they need to adjust that? You know, I've never thought about that. Yeah, me neither. That's a good point. I'm going to be listening for that now. So the iRacing's got something to do. They got to cut four seconds off stops, tire stops, or four or five seconds probably. And then they need to maybe check the sound too. Well, Brian, do we have a new top I rating? Uh, according to Denver Turgeson, um, I, there is, uh, I haven't personally checked this yet, but, uh, he sent us in our discord channel that, um, that James Curl has actually taken over Ty Majeski's spot in the overall I rating, uh, for oval races. So, uh, uh, he's got the link on the page, so apparently it, it is a it's a real thing. So uh, you know we've always said the time Jeski's got the top uh, I rating for oval racing, uh, but there's a new leader in the clubhouse, uh, James Curl. Yeah, and it's um, only by about five I rating too that the difference is. But well, we don't know when this was was posted, so that could be. Uh, I'm looking at by now. I'm looking at it right now, and he's got him by five points. Uh, James Curl is at ten seven seven six. Oh, he's actually led more laps than Ty. Have you no, raced I, with? Uh, have you raced with him, David? Um, name doesn't ring a bell. I don't know if he runs much NIS. Yeah, probably yeah. doesn't. Not with that account because NIS can. You know, you can't maintain that kind of an I rating at NIS unless you're too I many mean, wrecks. Well, Garrett is sitting at nine thousand. Okay, <laughs> and he he runs That's it. What I was thinking. He, he double laps everybody. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So, how 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 close is ter- is uh, Garrett in this? It's got to be up there, right? Well, he we don't have drop weeks yet, and he's run two less races than half the field, and and is leading the points. So I asked uh, Denver, uh, "What is this guy running to get an I rating like that?" And he told me, "Legends, late models, and SK modifieds." Oh, that's different. So James Curl. Uh, remember that name guys he's a legend out there alien i looked at his stats when i i actually pulled this up the other day on the computer i clicked his name uh it's pretty impressive i mean he's in the his average finish is like top three or something so now is that is that a legitimate um representation of his i rating if he's not racing you know a series cars he's not racing you know cup cars and and stuff that's in the uh top rating classes yeah. you could say time adjusty wasn't either i mean okay. all his was super late you know and super lates and late models that's all he that's how he built his i rating 
makes you it's wonder a, if somebody who just strictly runs, you know, tops top I rating, you know, top licensed stuff can can get an I rating that high, you know? Well, Garrett Maines is sure as hell trying. Probably he'd be the closest one to it, right? I mean, he's out there stealing I rating every day, you know, from David and others. Probably though, even in top split, there's some stupid stuff that happens in an NIS race. Also, those other divisions that you mentioned, those other races, they're not as long. So he probably put in a lot more of them, especially if you're doing something like Legends. Those are like 20-minute races. Yeah, and if you're just winning one after the next after the next, you can really pile it up quick. You know, and I think there's something to the fact of it's maybe the daytime, I'm signing up for a late model race or a SK modified. How many people are signing up for those, you know? 10 20 that's probably at the max and and then the people that are signing up for those they're not all aliens that's for sure so he's probably easily beating them you know um the people that do sign up and like you know farming basically you know i don't want to diminish what he's done or but you know to to build it like you said just in those cars you know that that's one accomplishment you know if you were to build it in a in a premium oval car like the A car, that's it's saying something different, I think. It would also be interesting to see if he either took an alt account uh, and and made a and to see if he could pull off the same kind of uh, success if he actually went road to pro and pro and coke if he went if he was to go that route. But there's just somebody some people who en- who enjoy and are more suited to those cars anyway. It's um. You know, Adam loves the short tracks and he's not been doing them as much lately and his I rating is showing for it with the luck he's had at NIS. Uh, whereas he could jump right back into the super late model and and jump back up towards the f- 5,000s. All right, we got a couple of events. Only one showing up on the script, but I'm going to bring up the other one. We do have the Majors 24 Hours coming up soon. It's uh, the replacement race for that other thing that uh, shall not be named. Uh it's June 4th and 5th, and a lot of the top splits, it's going to be interesting. You qualify in by time, kind of just like the Indy, and a lot of the top splits are going to have live cautions, and quite a few of the splits are going to be broadcasted as well. Then the other one, uh, uh, Mike, you're probably running it, so I'll throw it to you, is the uh, open set for the uh, race for the Indy 500. Yeah, um, Indy 500 is this week. Um, going to run it tomorrow night if everything goes well. I don't know that... If our team has a set or we're working on one or why, I need to figure that out. I can, I can throw I, you something. I, I, you know, the, the set that we ran and fixed, you know, it was probably per- perfectly fine as far as I know. But, you know, can I get past lap 20? I'm sure they're all going to try, you know. Um, I was pretty embarrassed, like I said, of what happened. So I want to try again. So, yeah, tomorrow night. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to brake deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacers Lounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. 
podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review of your favorite pod on your favorite podcast platform that make it easier for more listeners to find this podcast. Please mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate that. Thank you. We want to grow and grow and grow. Don't forget the Discord. Um, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on over there. We got some of our stories out of the Discord. Uh, we're taking polls over there. We want more people involved. So jump in, guys. We've been having fun. Of course, you can follow along on the website uh, visually as you listen to the show. And we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. How did uh, fantasy go this week, uh, Tony? Well, check this out. Uh, we had two Tofosi uh, showings, actually, and they're battling for the top spot. Stephen Lou Allen and Tyler Williamson uh, couldn't figure out who wanted to lead, so they both uh, said, all right, we'll just split this prize. But, yeah, they they, <clears throat> they showed up at Kansas. They got the top spot, um, the rest of us. So, uh, no, Bobby Jonas, he, he managed a, a top 10, and, uh, and Greg – uh, back in 12, so he's still able to hold on to his top spot for the league. But um, <laughs> once again, that Kansas, uh, these races are they're taking out big names. Like everybody's just having problems. The tire issue. We've you know we we talked to death about that earlier. Um, but that bit a lot of guys this week really uh, threw it for a loop. And I think at one point when I was looking at the standings. Um, there was some pretty low numbers like we had, I believe, um, last week. But the, um, when, it, when it all finished up, the, the numbers are up pretty high. Like paying out at you know, 250 points is what they're battling for at the top spot. Um, Brian, you did not too terrible. Yeah, not too bad for me. I was just off the first page. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was fairly happy with that um as long as i'm getting close to the top 15 i'm i'm pretty happy for for that week well, i'm about where i normally am at last now i'm gonna read off top five for kansas we had a a tie for for p1 steve lou allen tyler uh was in uh, tied with him for that Chris Bates, third, Trick Dickel, fourth, AJL, 14, fifth. I mean, boy, I mean, what a what a run for uh, our teammates there to tie for the, the lead. That's impressive. Yeah, that was definitely a good showing. And, and some pretty high point totals, too, for the week. I remember last week, I think the top top point was like 210, 215. And these are guys were pushing, pushing 250 points for the week. So, uh, you know, they really nailed their picks all the way around. And so, Greg, they're closing in on you, on your point lead. How about it? Come after me. Uh, you it's got one guy right behind you. Can you. Get. Yeah, one, one point back. Is that right? Did I have a point lead? La I don't remember. Did I have a lead last week? Yeah, you did. More than one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony, can you pull out your racing calculator and tell us what uh, the trends are? <laughs> don't listen to me. I don't know what the hell I'm doing this year. It's my Tony, rookie can year. Can you explain how the All Star format's going to go? Because uh, uh, nobody else can. I don't. I don't want to take my socks off. It's the only <laughs> way I can figure it out. What a mess! What a joke! 
I'm glad we don't fit, do fantasy for that. Did anybody see Bob Bockers's, uh tweet or tweet today about the graphics for it? It's all over the place. There's multiple graphics. So I think Greg, uh, I think I heard him talk about it on one of the other shows and just kind of stopped caring pretty quick about trying to understand it. So Greg, Greg you have a one point lead over Mean Machine Thirty Eight, and um, you, you uh, lost three points to him this past week. So you had a four point lead last week, um, and it's down to one point now. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I think I finished in the top ten this week, but I, in the actual thing, I can't remember. But it was a tough race. Uh, you got twelfth for it. Twelfth place for you. Not bad. Yeah. You just at this point, you just got to avoid those disaster weeks where everybody you have crashes out. You know. Well, I haven't even used a lot of the main guys yet either. I've been good picking around the edges. Yeah, well, that's a smart break because all the yeah. all the main guys have been blowing tires and smacking fences. I mean, I did have Larson in my lineup. At least he finished that race out without destroying his car completely and DNFing. He tried. He tried his best, but he didn't do it. He definitely was widening that track with that wall. Well, you know, the, the drivers are constantly complaining about this, the shape of the track and thinking it should be further out. Didn't they have one of those? It was Chicago. Chicago was shaped a little bit further out like that. And then they, sh- they rounded the back, the back stretch too. Chicago is awesome. I miss Chicago. I still can't believe we're not going there anymore. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, it's time to hit up some hardware. We're going to kick it off with the ARS floor plate. Uh, this new ASR floor plate is compatible with all the advanced sim racing brand chassis, and it provides a flat surface on which you can rest your feet when you're not racing. Uh, it also allows for easy entry and exit out of the sim race uh, chassis. And I think you can put this on just about any 8020 rig, actually, not just advanced sim racings. Um, and I guess it just gives you an extra place to put your feet if you want i don't know if i'd like this or not because it's actually easier for me to get in and out by putting my feet all the way down on the ground yeah i don't know if i want this or not agreed i mean it it would make it harder to get in and out i think the other thing is even though it would fit on my you know my rig from a different company the first thing that i asked them when i when they they posted this was can i order it without the logo because basically it's a big black piece of steel really nice but they got the logo cut into it um is and, that you cut know, or is it even, just paint i don't think that's paint i think that yeah. those are holes unless yeah, I'm i think so too. It wrong. i've got to zoom in now where you can see the edges so it is cut yeah. Out, yeah on that on the v part of it you can see the edge on it it's three-dimensional so it's got some depth where it's cut through i would be interested as a customer if it didn't have the cutout that's how other uh, plates are though for the foot plate yeah quite frankly though uh i got my little shelf that i built onto my rig i got the piece of aluminum from the air conditioner guy in the town i work in and 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 just drilled some holes into it and and boom uh i have a shelf don't you know you just wait for a tornado to come through and then you get free scrap metal they're they're not that frequent and if you're going around uh, looting in in Arkansas, there's plenty of firearms. Yeah, that's right. 
And there, this thing is not just a piece of metal. I mean, I have the PC shelf from Advanced Sim Racing, and it's basically the same piece of metal without the cutout. I mean, I guess I could buy another uh, PC shelf and just use the piece of metal uh, as the floor plate to get what I want. But basically, uh, I can't say enough about the PC shelf, the quality of the metal. It, it's kind of it got a nice black powder coat on it, uh, really thick, no flex at all, um, highest quality you could imagine. See, wouldn't this only be used for just resting your feet? You would just—it's kind of more of a aesthetic thing than it is for anything else. Like my feet wouldn't be anywhere near that when I'm racing, no matter what setup I'd be using. Or especially if you've got your seat in the right position, you put it there and your knees are going to be colliding with the wheel. I'm wondering if it's just kind of like when you're doing just general stuff on the PC and somewhere to put your feet down so you're not putting it underneath the pedals or or resting it against anything sharp. I don't know. I just I don't think I could get in and out without bumping the wheel with, with not being able to put my feet down on the floor. This is a thick piece of metal. You could put your weight on it. You could stand on it. Not a problem at all. It's probably made. Of, it's made out of the same thing the actual foot plate's made out of. Yes, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's pedal plate. super thick. I mean, it, it's super sturdy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think I would want it either. I think it'd be harder to get in and out of the rig. I kind of just like to have my feet touch the floor and just sit there, whatever you're doing. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it could be just so that people don't have an open gap underneath there. They could hide more wires running through, maybe too, right? Now, in the description on their website, they say can be mounted on top or the bottom of the base profiles. Now, maybe it makes more sense to have it on the bottom because then, you, then David, you could just step into it. The If it was on the bottom, I mean, it wouldn't be too far off the ground, so it would be more of a you could step into it and sit down. That would be more reasonable, yeah, to, to mount it actually under, under on the underside. Could this be if you had a rig, say, mounted, or for your rig, if it's mounted higher off the ground and it's there's something hollow it's sitting on, so you're not, like, putting your foot through it, anything? It's maybe just something where you can step up into. I don't know if they, they create platforms or something when you're, you know, I know a lot of these racetracks can have sims or the Hall of Fame or things have sims. Like, imagine if they had them up a little bit and it was hollow underneath, you you would just be stepping through, right? that just seems like a really rare if not uh non-existent situation i don't know maybe the motion rigs might have it higher my rig like i pointed out today is on cat six inch casters so it's up off the ground and and uh yeah so i don't know you guys are talking about maybe mounting it from underneath i don't know if i would do that because you know, when it's mounted on top, the weight's distributed across the uh, 80-20 channel, where if it's hanging down, the only thing that's holding it in place is the, alu- the screws into the aluminum nuts. True. You know, it's it's not using the actual metal to support. It's just using the four screws to hold the weight. So if you really stand up on it or something trying to get out, put some pressure on it, I'd be concerned that that might not hold up. Yep, you're right, you're right. Well, tell us about it on Discord if you think you can come up with a justification for this particular item. I think well, the, the price part, is scary, seventy bucks. Yeah, it is that's free shipping. For. It is free shipping, so that's not too. Uh, that helps a little bit. 
I mean, it is the company that I bought my stuff from. Any sheet of metal is going to, is going to be pretty up there. If you, if you go to any of the places where you can get custom stuff sent to you. So that the price isn't so scary. I just don't, I don't personally see it as terribly functional. This next one, I'm going to kind of leave to everybody to describe, but I'll take a stab at the pronunciation because we know we don't want Mike trying it. <laughs> we have the Latiele du Simu. Chicken or in English, Canadians. we call that the, it's the French bumper car simulator. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh my God, it does look like a bumper car. Right? That's now, a great way to describe this. Now you can't unsee it. I know. Well, I, I was looking at it thinking it looked like a shoe. Except it's half a bumper car. Is it a half bobsled? This thing is, uh, this thing's really weird. And the way they've got it pictured, it almost looks like it's like a, one of those, like, uh, this might be aging David here, but the, the Weeble, the Weeble Wobble guys, it's probably just the way it was photographed. Is. Now, wait a minute. This thing, okay, so imagine your bumper car, but the front fiberglass, you know, nose part, it literally only covers the right side of it. The whole left side, there's no fiberglass. I don't get it. It's a cow catcher. But you see wait. that? It doesn't go around the whole thing. It's only on one side. Oh my gosh, you're right. I thought so that was just Walmart? like a cutaway. So just so you can see a wall. No, these are cutaway different? pictures. This is how it actually looks. It's a cutaway just so you could see what it looks like underneath. But no, you're right. It's only a right-hand side. Yeah, like I said, half a bumper car. It's because you can't get in. You probably can't get your feet in with it the way it is to, you know, that's probably why. Unless you had that plate. It might be easier if you had that plate. So title idea is half a bumper car. So here it gets better. So these simulator, they, they do come like when you buy them, they come with a, with the wheel and pedals and I guess a handbrake, but like the cheapest one that I see is 14,000 euros. That's the static one. Then they have a motion one, right? I don't see no motion one. Fourteen thousand nine ninety uh, for the stage two, as they call it. Yeah, just comes with the PC. Oh, that's just the PC. That's not motion. Yeah. So then they got the bigger one, the LSX Static Ultimate, and that comes with a SimiCube Two Pro steering wheel, a Heiskenveld uh, three pedal setup with the gearbox and stuff but it still looks static like it's got posts on it that looks like it could be a, a motion but i'm not thinking so like i'm not seeing anything else that would control it um i think it's just there for aesthetics how did they get away adding three thousand dollars just for upgraded semi-cube heiskenveld and sequential gearbox i mean three grand more just to add those pieces which semi-cube is it? Because the, the Pro is, is probably two grand plus, right? Semi-cube two. Two. Two Pro, it says. Yeah, that's like the DD2, except there's the top end. I guess that's I guess that's okay. Three grand would be about right then. Okay, so this one come, does come with uh, a 3070 gaming PC. You get your headphones. Like, this is, it is like a full-out deal. A giant curved screen with the full HD video projector. But, you know, this is like 18,000 euros. Does the uh, PC come with uh, one side to it? 
<laughs> Actually, it's it's a fish tank with only half the walls. I I can't get over the half of fiberglass front. I I mean, is what's the idea to it? I mean, it is it make it. It doesn't look good to me. I mean, unless you're like you get that side angle. I mean, when you first see the pictures, like Dave, like Brian was saying, diagram. oh, maybe it's a cutaway or something you're looking at, so you can see the the bars inside or whatever. But no, no, it's it's not a cutaway. Yeah, that's that is the oddest thing. It's like, oh well, we got halfway there. That that's good enough. They'll buy it. They, they realized they got somebody when the guy they were testing it. The guy got into the cockpit, but they were realizing when they had it fully done, he couldn't get out. So they just left half of it off so he could so jump cut, in and out. So they cut half of it off and realized that's what we'll have to do. Well, I think we beat that horse half to death. So let's uh, talk on Mike. Let's go on to the VNM load sail pedals. Yeah, we found a review on YouTube of this uh, from OC Racing. And I watched this, and this VNM, I believe, is that company from Vietnam that are trying to break into the sim industry. And they got some pedals, and they're comparable to the Heiskenveld Sprints. Uh, price point wise, they're a little bit cheaper. Um, and so this guy breaks them down. Um, functionality, I mean, they're they're not bad. I mean, nothing bad was said. I mean, good, all good things to you know we're set about it he's he really liked the the throttle uh when it came to the software it, he said it was unusable like he would open it and he would click something and he had to wait like three minutes and then maybe he could click something again and so he had a serious serious problem with the software but apparently he could use them without the software but i guess that was kind of a red flag but their load cell uh, from VNM and uh, 650 for the pedals, uh, 745 with the base. If you had the extra dampers, $900. They're black. They're pretty plain looking. Um, they don't have the eye candy uh, that some of the like you know the sim coaches and you know and all those other ones that are the high end. Um, so you kind of get what you pay for here. But I don't know if if it's a comparable to the Heiskenveld sprints or not. Um, you well, know, I don't think the Heiskenvelds have a, a software problem. But these are just load cell, correct? Mm-hmm. Isn't the Heiskenvelds uh, hydraulic? No, no they're I believe load the, cell. they're load cell, yeah. Oh, my bad. Okay. They're, yeah. they're kind of, I guess they might be considered the highest end of the load cells. Right, high-end load cell. That's what I would call them. And, and they start around 1,100 euros uh, for the three-pedal set of the Heiskenvelds. It's coming up just on Mike's screen as uh, Tony was asking that question. I know, isn't that great? Well, at first, I thought the next topic was do it DIY, but this is actually all related to your build, isn't it, uh, Mike? Yeah, my new cockpit build thread, the iRacers Lounge Podcast Edition forum thread, has been resurrected as I continue projects on the cockpit. Um, and so, I thought I would give an update on the show about where I stand on some projects. Um, and if I was Canadian, I would say projects. Um, okay. I like, I'm going to interrupt. I love the uh, diagram for the, what the, what the buttons are in, in the form. <laughs> yeah. So I had asked uh, some people what to do with the buttons. I have all these buttons on the new wheel. How do we program them? And 
uh, yeah, one clever uh, forum poster um, put up a picture of the wheel and described, you know, with text what each one should do. And uh, and there were some pretty hilarious uh, choices there I should use. <laughs> they are funny. There, there needs to be a button for, uh, for a chocolate bar dispenser. Dispense chocolate bar. <laughs> his would be dangerous because it would shoot out from his cockpit and hit him right in the head. And so I talk about the wheel. Some people were asking about it. Specifically, they were asking about the grips. Apparently, there's two kinds of grips for these kind of wheels. I mean, you have the normal, like, spongy kind of, they collect, you know, hair and dust over time and that kind of grip. This is more of a hard plastic. It does have a little bit of sponginess, but not much at all. And so it's a much different feel. I don't feel like this is going to attract dust or debris or, or sweat or anything like that. So uh, some people were saying they're hard to hold on to, but man, I got my force feedback turned up. I'm hanging on to this wheel. I trust me. So, and you put your thumb through the hole in the, in the spoke. So, you know, you, your, your hand is pretty much attached to it anyway. So I have no problem with the grips. I want to know what some of these people are racing like if it's hard to hold on to the wheel, especially a wheel that has two firm grip parts. It's not like it's a round wheel. It's you got set spots to put your hand. Yeah, I heard it from another listener who put up on our Discord that he got his F-Pro Cube Controls wheel and he was able to set up the Bluetooth and use it no problem at all. Now, I, I'm going to experiment tonight probably with it some more and see if I can make it work. Um, I got it paired, but it wouldn't actually show in the software. So I'm not sure what's wrong. The, the wheel's not far from the motherboard. I mean, it's like probably 24 inches, but there's several things in between, um, you know, the wheel and the motherboard, but it's not, it's only two feet away. I mean, it's not that far. What is the surface on the grips kind of smooth or does it have a texture to it? It's a smooth, no, very smooth. Okay. So the person who's probably having, having trouble holding on to it probably has absurdly sweaty hands and might need to go with a glove. Yeah, I'm wearing uh, gloves, the weightlifter gloves. I was going to say, it kind of sounds like the the McLaren Fanatic rim that I have. It's it, it looks like plastic, but when you're actually grabbing onto it, it has that smooth, but it's, it's actually something you can grab that you can hold if you squeeze hard it does give a little there's a little give to it but not much now transitioning to the fans i've been working with kyle pendigraft and um, some others that had posted in the forum here and thank you to those folks about what to do about these hoses the hoses have really diminished the fan output and so i'm trying to figure out a solution to remove the hoses and I think we're on to something. Kyle is printing up a, a GoPro arm style mount that has several different elbows in it. And it'll attach to a thing that will hold the fan directly. And I'm going to hang it from the bottom of the 8020 that, that hangs, uh, that my left and right monitor hang on. And it will come down below the monitor or above and then uh, point at my head, basically. Um, and so that's what we're working on. He's printing them as we speak. I'll probably get those early next week and um, have an update next week about the fans. Um, I need to re rewire everything. I might even have to resolder stuff, but I'm kind of waiting until I figure out the final placement of the fans before I even try to do any of that. 
the other thing I posted in this thread is is something else I, I went ahead and purchased this week. And it's uh, in addition to my Philips Hue lighting system. And I just felt like I wasn't getting enough effect. I got, I had a, some of the effect, but the lights, you know, that are in the ceiling fan are way high. I got really high ceilings in this room. And then the, the, those Philips Hue light strip that's behind the triples, it gives a good glow, you know, down below the rig, but it's, but I'm looking for more. And so this guy called DAC, D-A-K, he has an Etsy store and he has a 3D print and a mount for these light arms. And they basically are designed to attach to the fourth monitor, the 8020 that holds your fourth monitor up above. And they come out basically uh, above your head, uh, two arms, which you can attach the Philips light to. And so that's what I purchased. I ordered the the Hue lights were 150. Um, and then this thing was like 30 to 40 with shipping uh, for the two arms. So about 200 total for the project. Um, and it's basically going to really light up the cockpit area, I think, uh, quite a bit. Um, according to the guy who makes them, um, he's got them far enough out that there's no glare on the screens and, and it works pretty good. So, uh, I'm going to try it. Let's talk some NASCAR iRacing series. We started it Friday, uh, well, continued the week at Friday, right? Uh, at Kansas. Um, I had a kind of a mixed result. P21 top split. Uh, the set I th that I thought I had that was more stable, um, it would start to let go around lap 40 and get really loose. Uh, at one point, I was 23rd, uh, two laps down after some green flag stops. Then a caution comes out. I take the wave by. The second caution comes out two laps later, I get the lucky dog. So just like that, I got both laps back. And I'm thinking, yeah, all right. Then, but then on the next restart, there's a whole bunch of other lap cars sitting in that I have to cut through because of the the wave by penalty, or the the lucky dog penalty. And of course, a couple of lap cars, even the same lap, get into each other right in front of me, um, and hurt the car pretty badly. And I limped it home in uh, 21st. Oh boy! All right, and then Tony Groves wrecked outish, you say? Yeah, it was uh, the weirdest thing ever. And it was, uh, you know, near the end of the race, which really sucked because I was running really good. I was top five, ten, uh, pretty much all race. And um, yeah, I, I think I was fighting for fifth, it was about 40 to go, 30 to go, somewhere in and around there. And I just got, just overdrove and spun myself and uh go to try and get going again and i can't shift so i took toe sat around waited to see what was going on with that still wouldn't shift um yeah that was that was just it like i, I just I, I couldn't get the car to shift into gear out of gear anything just stopped and i tried remapping tried doing everything just nope didn't want to work you know i've had weird stuff like that too you know where, where I, the car would i go pit the car would turn off and i can't get the car restarted the only way I eventually got it restarted was to exit the car and go back into it. And then it started right up. Yeah, I would have had to just, you know, shut it right down and then, yeah, re rejoin the, the race. But by that point in time, I 
I just don't think it would have been worth the effort, so I just called it. I wonder what's causing these weird things with controlling controllers and but you know, I don't know if it's my button box, is it what I mean, what's going on? I don't know. Windows. It's your shifter? I mean, what are you using to shift that quit working? Uh, just just the paddles on my on my steering wheel. But it, like I even tried to remap them to a totally different button, um, and I, I couldn't get anything to work. It sounds like it just had a huge glitch and it got stuck where it's not letting you do anything. That's kind of what I chalked it up to, like a mechanical failure. I just it just happens. Idle idea, mechanical failure. Greg, you were wrecked out. I don't remember much from this race. Uh, I think I just I think I just got one. I got. I got a little damage early and I couldn't get back from it. And um, by the time I was able to go through the field again, I think starting in the back, by the time I was going through the field, I just got caught up in a big wreck and I, I quit out early. I can't remember what happened totally, but I think I quit out early. Okay, so let's move on to Sunday Open. David P3. Yeah, I had a great run. I finished just in front of Adam. Uh, he ran the front part of the race with me, then caught a tiny bit of damage. I think it just hurt his long run a little. And he made an adjustment that also didn't pay off for him. But uh, it was uh, also top split. And it was the best non-top or non-plate top split race I've had so far. Uh, might have even had a shot at the win if we'd had a 60-lap run instead of a 30-lap run at the end. Those guys were starting to come back to me. That is a heck of a run. Both you and Adam uh, to finish third and fourth and top split. Man, when I woke up Sunday morning and I saw that, I was like, wow, that's impressive. But Greg, you one-upped it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, I'm not sure what split I was in. I was probably at least one or two down from that. You were second. Um, but uh, no, I I had a last, last lap pass. Uh, well, it was a final restart pass. Um, and I just got a really good restart starting P2 um, and was able to pass into one and um, just able to hold it off. I didn't think I was going to be able to, but uh, um, it was enough short run time where they couldn't get back to me uh, very quickly. So I was able to pull it out. I was in the top five for the majority of the race. It just, just playing the patient game after I wrecked on Friday and it paid off and, and hearing, you know, how... I mean, me, David, and Adam, we were communicating, trying to figure out what to do when we had problems or, or you know, adjustments we needed to figure out. And uh, it was good just communicating with them in the morning. And uh, I'm just glad we all had good finishes on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I did go check. It was second split. I think there was like seven splits that day. Um, and something we definitely found, especially me and Adam, Adam who, can, who seemed to like more similar sets that it's interesting me and greg cannot run the same sets it just it, that it doesn't happen but i found through through some a open testing that my the end race adjustment that i usually like to to make with the left rear tire just wasn't working and was actually making it even more uncontrollable um so we went with we went a different way with even the end race adjustment and it made the car a lot better in the long run but you know, even I remember back in the day when Jimmy Johnson and and Jeff Gordon in the same garage could not run the same sets. They just liked completely different feels. So you, even if you go out and buy your sets, you have to you have to put in a little work yourself and find out what's going to work best for you. Practice. Oh. 
Greg, you got win now at Kansas this year. Any others? Uh, was it Cali? I think I won Cal. No, Cali or Vegas, one of the two. Okay, so stack them up, man. We got road courses coming. <laughs> Sunday fixed. Uh, I wrecked out. I don't remember what happened. You know, it's one of those things when you wreck out early, you just kind of tune it out. Yeah, it was like that. Uh, you know, it's been a tough week uh, for me at Kansas, and I lost a ton of ratings. Wasn't that the highlight pack that you had sent late Sunday night? There was like three or four videos. Oh, that's right. I sent like three videos in a row of what happened to me in various stages of the race. That's correct. Um, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't finish. That's for sure. But who did finish was Tyler Williamson. He got a P nine. He said was not a Sunday fun day after a grueling demo derby at Kansas. Sixteen cautions total in my split. Managed to only get five X and showed some late race speed. Was not thrilled with this car on the track, but I'll take a top 10 any day. Yeah, that was a rough thing about Kansas. Like, uh, I, I know my race, I don't think we got any more than 15 laps green. That was a rough one. Well, you'd either run the top or the bottom, and your set had to be one or the other. And then if you tried the other way, usually you were loose, like wrecking loose. Yeah, All right, let's transition. Kinda... You're talking about we're still talking Kansas, right? Yeah, that's that was what ha was happened. Um, the set we ran first was set for high line, and if you try to take it down low, it was awful. And then I had to be really careful if I had to go around somebody on the high side, really careful. So okay. we're talking Indy next, right? Indy 500, as I mentioned, it was lap 21. I got a push, uh, went to the wall, knocked off the right front. Now I was shocked that they actually repaired it. I, I had no idea that this was repairable. I mean, I knocked off the whole right front suspension, everything. But I went in for repairs, it didn't take long. Um, I was three laps down when they put me back out. Um, Mike, no, I was gonna ahead. say, I racing logic here. We touched the wall with the next gen car and it's game over for your race. You destroy the right front of the uh, car and they can rebuild the whole right front suspension in a quick time up the road. It doesn't make any sense, the damage model. No, it, it didn't. And the car was still fast after that, which it, it, I don't know if it should have been. But then I had some confusion about if I could get a lap back or not, if I stayed out and the leaders pitted, you know, like a waiver, like NASCAR style. And, and somebody in the chat said I couldn't. No, they don't have waiver rounds. Uh, so I pitted and then I figured out that other guys stayed out and got a wave around there actually was wave arounds and I was like pissed that I didn't figure that out and I actually could have got a lap back because I was three laps down I was trying to get him back to try to get back in the race but anyway um, it didn't matter because I hit the wall again at some point and then it was undrivable uh, but there was no damage to fix so yeah I mean that's the other thing Greg is like I hit the wall again, but no damage. But at that point, undrivable. I mean, I would just spin out. All right, Tony Rochette wrecked out. He didn't leave any notes. Uh, Kyle Pendigraf, uh, P6, started P3, dropped back to avoid the aggressive drivers around lap 35, got caught up in someone else's wreck and had to tow. Needed less than four minutes of repair and decided to fix it. Came back out three laps down, 
and way down in the standings. Worked my way back up through the field as drivers started to leave the race and eventually got himself up to peace thick. That's amazing. I mean, he, in his situation, he was also three laps down, but it worked for him to you know stick it out, and he ended up with a nice top ten. Well done. Uh, let's move on. I ran some other racing. Um, hosted Chris McGuire. He's been putting up races during the week, guys, not just the weekends. I don't know if he's off work or what, but it's a good group to run with. Um, I have a lot of fun with these guys. Um, we ran Michigan Supercars. I wrecked out on the first one, the second race, P4. Then it was 87 cars at Talladega. Started 25th, finished P6. This is a race without caution, guys. I was, I was killing it. Then we ran Gen 5 cars at Talladega. P2. Almost won that one. So Gen, Gen 5, 5 at COT? Talladega is awesome. Is that the COT, that? Mike? The Gen 5? Yeah, that's without the plate. So you down the back stretch, you can get it up to 250 in the draft. 250 mile an hour. So then um, I decided with the off week this week, with NIS off, I decided to restart my road career with my new wheel. So I finished P8 in the Formula V at Lime Rock. Um, then, I, a second race, I got my first official win with the new wheel. Same Formula V at Lime Rock. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Then I ran it two more times, started P10, finished P3. Started P10, finished P4. So I had a second, a first, a third, and a fourth. And so I'm thinking this is, I don't need to start in the Formula V. I probably need to move up a level. So the question is, do I buy the Skippy, the Barber, Skip Barber, or do I go with the IR04? And, um, you know, it looked to me like the Skippy was more popular as far as how many drivers were in races compared to the IR04, but I think I would probably like the IR04 better, but I don't know. I haven't decided uh, which one. I'll probably decide tonight and pick one of them and start running those. Well, if you remember Anne with uh, Snell Racing, she went uh, to the Skippies after the Rookies for quite a while. Now she's doing a lot of GT racing. Yeah. Yeah. You may, that's a that's a good point, point Mike. Uh, if you're looking for better populated races and bigger splits, um, the skippies are the way to go. But there's a lot of guys who just run skippies, and they're very talented, and uh, that's just what they do. So you know, on on the on the minus side, is there's some really top talent in that class in that series? Some yeah, of them we'll are so good the they skippies. might win a win a ride in a real one, right? Yeah, that um, that series starts next week, and I'm going to try to find out how. Um, how the guy who won that skip skip barber series uh how he does in the real life series i'm going to track that starting next weekend i'm loving the new wheel um running road um it's it's everything i i, I hoped it would be so i really no complaints it's a neat change of pace from oval all the time i this week i've i've just been mostly running road i, I did a couple of uh with Monza's and um, where are they? Amola as well. Some other hosts that I ran under a different host was Kia's at Michigan and Gen 5 at Monza. That was a blast. Gen 5 at Monza, we couldn't even get to the start finish line before we piled up. 
All right, let's talk league racing, fast track, David, P5. Yeah, and it should have been a podium, if not better. Uh, for the most part, the race was a shit show. Had a lot of cautions. We can definitely tell you the admin was was beyond irritated. Um, and it was just a, a, the car, a lot of guys, especially those who don't run the official races, didn't know how easy this car could get out of shape if you weren't running the perfect line. And that was showing up a lot. And then just also a lot of people putting themselves in situations they shouldn't. Um, but... Uh, I survived all of the carnage and then ended up with the P5 instead of higher because a couple of drivers who failed to save enough fuel didn't know how to get out of the way and stayed like literally too wide right in the middle of the racing line. And I just ran into one of them because there was nowhere else to go in that amount of time, not knowing how slow they were. So they're side by side coming to the checker. You Going 50 miles an hour slower. Yeah. Oh my God. And I ran right into him. And words were exchanged because I exchanged slightly just I, I exchanged civil complaint, which was responded with an F bomb, which got a which got an F bomb in return. So there it is. All right. Now teammate Joe Owen is back, man. He came out of retirement and ran with us. Um, he got wrecked out. Now, David, you had a, a move where you were on the apron on the front. Came back up. You had plenty of room to come up. You made it three wide, and there was plenty of room for you. But the guy in the middle, I don't know if he didn't see you or what, but when he did, he panicked. And he veered to the right and wrecked the guy out on the outside of him, and both of them got wrecked, and Joe got caught up in that one. Yeah, and I don't know if the guy was just not very good at watching his mirrors and listening to his spotter or not, because he, he came across my nose a lap from before, uh, actually the very corner before uh, and I had to back out to keep from turning him so I was like alright I set up just the simple beat him out for the turn 3 I had to run plenty fast off a of turn 3 exit was inside him well before the start finish line um, and that's a standard line at Kansas you run that apron there a lot especially if you're setting up a pass uh, me and all the other guys have been doing it all week so I don't know if this guy just didn't have the experience to see that coming. But yeah, he, he, he freaked out and hit me and took a, or, and took quite a few other people out. Okay, Greg, uh, I had you down as wrecked out, but you said no, P9. No, I was on a different strategy than, because David went on a fuel strategy there and stayed, saved fuel. And I, tr I decided to do the opposite and split the uh, the last segment to try and get gain some track position because I didn't, it was iffy if they were going to meet because of tires. I was on a different strategy completely where I couldn't even get to the point where I would make fuel. Um, but it was it was a hard fought P9, but I I struggle with this league. I mean, I think David and I, David said this many times and I start, the more he says that I start more believing it. I got in the league to race with more of our teammates. That's the reason I, you know, to race with the guys. I like the league. I mean, it's down to a couple of us that show up to go to this league and race. But I'm kind of frustrated with hearing the coaching and the um, telling us what to do. Um, if I listen to Take It Easy and, um, and and let it sort itself out last then I would have gotten wrecked. You, you can take it easy, but you can't just 
at, at Kansas, you can't just back up. You just get run over. I mean, I was trying to stay. The, the more positions I made up, the better I felt about not getting in anything. Yes, I put myself in some compromising positions, but I felt if I didn't put it that way, I was going to be run over because of this. And then it's then it's more frustrating than the other place. I just don't think the coaching is necessary. Yes, if I make a bad mood and I wreck somebody, okay, um, you can talk to me after the race. But I don't think the in-race in coaching and whining and complaining about what's going on is very needed. Yeah, I mean, that, that needs to be said. I mean... We're all, we all know how to drive or we wouldn't be there. And so it is a little frustrating. Well, it's also not us that are causing these problems. It's kind of some of the, some of the other guys. And, um, I run enough a opens, you know, uh, that, and in IS races, you know, we, we make a joke of it about how much more time I spend on there, but I spend enough time in traffic that I feel comfortable making that move that I made. And this guy, that's probably the first time he saw it. That may be the first time he ran the race at that oval that week. You know, I'm just guessing. Um, but it's not just practice in in the uh, on a, in a practice server. You really just don't. You can't build that kind of skill up to run those kind of side by side laps unless you do it a lot. Well, you know, by Monday, a lot of us have had you know 300 to 500 laps, you know, or more on, the, race on tra- the track. In race conditions, not practice. Right. Yeah. In race conditions. So we know what's going David's on. I want David's total at the 600 week. <laughs> Let's talk my race. I ran. I wrecked out. I actually got a few dings in the first wreck from an ARCA breaker. I actually had it slowed and, and missed, but then somebody got in from to me from behind. Car was okay. But then later, it was another guy who just totally lost it on his own. I had nowhere to go and literally plowed in and T-boned the guy. It was eight minutes required, so I was done. But this guy apologized. David, you said he mentioned it in the chat. I missed it. Uh, He did throw up a sorry. So if you recall, this is the third week in a row at this league I've been wrecked out. And the, the last two weeks, I didn't get an apology. This week, I did, apparently. I didn't hear it, though. This is five people were talking at the same time. Okay, and then let's talk... The Gitter Done GT3 series, Greg, you said ran out of talent. Yeah, we were racing Road Atlanta as the final race of the 12-week season. And I just basically, I had, I'm not going to lie, I'm a huge hockey fan. And I had one eye on a hockey game that was going on and one eye on the racetrack and my talent for the, the racetrack part went out the door so i i didn't take anybody with me i kind of just did my own wreck by myself uh finish off the week it was a great season i'm glad i joined this league i wish we had more cars to race in this league um i really like the idea that each season they're switching back and forth so this season was all north american tracks and next season the next 12 week season is all european tracks so it's it's going to be very uh you know it's going to be different it's not like we're doing the same thing the next 12 weeks for uh, the next one so we have this week off and then we do another 12 week series in the gt3s and i have a feeling i'm going to stay in my lambo because more european tracks i feel like it might come in more handy being in the lambo 
So, so you didn't run out of racing talent. You ran out of multitasking talent. That's, yeah, multitasking talent, and then the <laughs> team I cheer for ran out a lot of talent for that whole week. <laughs> they ran out of hockey talent. <laughs> I have to be really careful sometimes when I'm running one of the road races midday, and you'll suddenly just start racking up chat messages, and I keep hearing it ding, 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 and I want to reach up to the top monitor and and uh, start reading the messages while I'm down a straightaway. And even just on a straightaway, the car can drift, and suddenly you're in the grass and dead. Okay, so... If you want to run with Greg on Thursday nights in the GT3s, you contact Peter Kopko and you get signed up for the, the getter done. Great set of guys to race with too. Like they, nothing but uh, class acts on the track. Um, they have a great system to make sure that uh, you're accountable for your actions. And uh, we, uh, we have always have fun races and fair races, so. Okay. Uh, Kyle has some notes here for us to read about uh, from what he's doing. He said tonight is Martinsville and it's the third to last race of the playoffs in season four for the iRacing iRock Challenge Series season four. Um, all races can be are found live on Thursday nights on PTM TV on Facebook and posted the next day to YouTube. Um, they have a season five announcement. They're taking driver applications for season five. It's going to be the B car on a fixed setup and is the IROC theme paint schemes. Season five has some major changes and a much bigger uh, purse prize reaching the four digit amount. Wow. And, and is also season five will have four dash for cash nights that will only pay cash, but also pay regular season points. If you're interested, contact Kyle Pendigraft at Loud Pedal TV on Twitter. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. Yeah, so... Uh if you, if you guys aren't watching the screen, the uh, stream, I'm actually in a hotel in Richmond, Virginia, right now. So I, I've been out for a couple of days on the road, and it's kind of winding up some of the craziness that I'm going through. My kids in baseball now, so I mean, I, I've gone over this a couple of times already. It's just been too crazy for me to really spend a lot of time in the rig. So uh, it, it's it's coming up. I'll be back soon. I'm hoping to get back into the OBRL ARCA races when they start their new season in two weeks. So um, that's my goal to be back officially on the service. And I think all the other things will fall in place after that. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll be back soon. I think he needs right, to take Brian. the internet with him from that hotel. You got good internet there, right? No, yeah, finally, right. Yeah. Okay. David Hall, our drummer, final thoughts. Well, since you've made reference to that twice, I'll talk a little bit about outside stuff. Um, I'm not. I'm going to end up missing Nashville now this year because uh, I booked a musical, and you know, chance to play. Definitely, uh, it's going to override going going to to watch a race. So I'll be doing that. It'll be good to see a lot of my friends that that, that are on the theater side as well. Um, but y'all mentioned I posted a video. There's a group, a cover band that I really have loved listening to for the last few years. Uh, their name is First to Eleven, and th this is the second time now they are doing a video where you can turn, you can do a play along, and they use footage from it and add it to their video. Uh, they already have one on their channel, and I'm in that one as well. Uh, if you go to their channel, and it was a Paramore song, "Ain't It Fun." Um, I'm in that one, and I'll I should be in this one too. And I did a couple of takes this time because I played. I had their their bassist, who's kind of their 
kind of the older guy and the leader, he sent me the MIDI file so that I could make sure and pay close attention to where the, all the crash levels were, everything. So I did a I did a clean take, and then I did a take where I just kind of jammed and improvised around it, and that's the one I posted on my YouTube channel and and showed to the guys. It was it and it was pretty fun. I I enjoyed just uh, you know that's what I do is music. Well, I think I forget that you're a a band director, so you actually can play every instrument pretty much. Um, and I I know you were you you're a woodwind guy, and I had never realize that you actually played the drums but you actually played the drums very well i was impressed thanks yeah uh i always wanted to play drums all the way from seventh grade and even though i got put on clarinet and and had a lot of success with that i still made it onto the drum line by the time i was in college uh and made some good friends who taught me a lot of drumming and you just yeah uh I get paid to pay clarinet and sax, and I've gotten paid a couple times for drums. A lot of the other instruments you just learn on a junior high level, right? My trumpet players can play way better than me, but uh, um, you know, uh, if I can get a clarinet player to play better than me, that will be an amazing day. And I, I don't know if I'm that good of a teacher. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I'm looking forward to the 500 this weekend. Uh, it's going to be a good uh, showing to run that. Uh, Bobby uh, Jonas has uh, created me a nice paint job for it, so I will uh, have that out uh, for for. I think I'm going to do one. Or, I might just actually. I probably will do tomorrow night's race. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited for it and uh, getting some other racing done. I know next week's week 13 and. Um, we got the 400 to come up, uh, the, sorry, the 600 coming up. So that's going to be a long week of racing between this weekend and next weekend. Boy, it sure is. I'm ready for it. All right. Tony Groves, final thoughts. Well, yeah, Greg just kind of stole my thunder. I was going to be like, who's ready for that 600? Cause this Sorry. guy is, no, no, it's all, it's all good. I don't do the 500 cause well, I think I did five laps last year and that sucked. So I don't want to do that again, but the 600. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Um, man, that's a crazy ass long race. Um, so that's 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 what I'm looking forward to. Looking forward to 600. I ain't doing nothing this weekend. Probably won't do any race, and I'll be up at the trailer, kicking back uh, as long as I don't get rained out. Yeah, uh, that's that's what I got going on. All right. My final thoughts. Indy 500. Man, I I need like a on repeat. A spotter saying, keep it out of the wall, keep it out of the wall, keep it out of the wall, because that's what that race is all about. If, if you can keep it out of the wall, you're going to end up with a top 10. I mean, because of attrition. Um, and so I just got to get through the race without trying to be fast or fancy and just keep it off the wall. So um, we're going to try that. I'm looking forward to the Skip Barber car. I don't know why I've never bought it. You know, you know, I, I guess it's because I never thought I had the equipment to do it right. Do it right. Now I do have the right equipment. So we're going to try it. I, you know, I, I was kind of confident and cocky after finishing, you know, first, second, third, fourth, you know, in the Formula B. Um, man, I do have some chops, even though I'm racing with all these rookies. Uh, it felt it felt good to at least, you know, be up front and contending. And I love that. So. Uh, especially on the roadside so we'll see how it goes as i move up the rank um don't want to do it too quickly um you know i, I thought do i want to jump right into you know 
GT3s and all that. I decided no, I'm gonna stay with the open wheel, at least for now. And uh, yeah, looking forward to my projects uh, showing up, uh, my lighting project, my fans, and uh, getting that situated. So hey, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.